0: Chapter 2 of Tales of Mean Streets This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org Tales of Mean Streets by Arthur Morrison Introduction A Street This street is in the East End. There is no need to say in the East End of what. The East End is a vast city, as famous in its way as any the hand of man has made. But who knows the East End? It is down through Cornhill and out beyond Leadenhall Street and Oldgate Pump, one will say. A shocking place where he once went with a curate an evil plexus of slums that hide human, creeping things, where filthy men and women live on penneths of gin, where collars and clean shirts are decencies unknown, where every citizen wears a black eye and none ever combs his hair. The East End is a place, says another, which is given over to the unemployed, and... The unemployed is a race whose token is a clay pipe and whose enemy is soap. Now and again it migrates bodily to Hyde Park with banners and furnishes adjacent police courts with disorderly drunks. Still another knows the East End only as the place whence begging letters come. There are coal and blanket funds there, all perennially insolvent, and everybody always wants a day in the country. Many and misty are people's notions of the East End, and each is commonly but the distorted shadow of a minor feature. Foul slums there are in the East End, of course, as there are in the West. Want and misery there are, as wherever a host is gathered together to fight for food. But they are not often spectacular in kind. Of this street there are about 150 yards on the same pattern all. It is not pretty to look at. A dingy little brick house, 20 feet high, with three square holes to carry the windows, and an oblong hole to carry the door, is not a pleasing object, and each side of this street is formed by two or three score of such houses in a row, with one front wall in common, and the effect is as of stables. Round the corner there are a baker's, a chandler's, and a beer shop, They are not included in the view from any of the rectangular holes, but they are well known to every denizen, and the chandler goes to church on Sunday and pays for his seat. At the opposite end, turnings lead to streets less rigidly respectable, somewhere mangling done here, stairs from windows and where doors are left carelessly open others where squalid women sit on doorsteps and girls go to factories in white aprons. Many such turnings, of as many grades of decency, are set between this and the nearest slum. They are not a very noisy or obtrusive lot in this street. They do not go to Hyde Park with banners, and they seldom fight. It is just possible that one or two among them, at some point in a life of ups and downs, may have been indebted to a coal and blanket fund. But whosoever these may be, they would rather die than publish the disgrace, and it is probable that they very nearly did so ere submitting to it. Some who inhabit this street are in the docks, some in the gasworks, some in one or other of the few shipbuilding yards that yet survive on the Thames. Two families in a house is the general rule, for there are six rooms behind each set of holes. This, unless young men lodgers are taken in or there are grown sons paying for bed and board. As for the grown daughters, they marry as soon as may be. Domestic service is a social descent, and little under millinery and dressmaking is compatible with self-respect. The general servant may be caught young among the turnings at the end where mangling is done, and the factory girls live still further off, in places skirting slums. Every morning at half-past five there is a curious demonstration. The street resounds with thunderous knockings, repeated upon door after door, and acknowledged ever by a muffled shout from within. These signals are the work of the night watchman, or the early policemen, or both, and they summon the sleepers to go forth to the docks, the gasworks, and the shipyards. To be awakened in this wise costs fourpence a week, and for this fourpence a fierce rivalry rages between night watchmen and policemen. The night watchman, a sort of by-blow of the ancient Charlie, and himself a fast-vanishing quantity, is the real professional performer. But he goes to the wall because a large connection must be worked if the pursuit is to pay at fourpence a knocker. Now it is not easy to bang at two knockers three-quarters of a mile apart and a hundred others lying between, all punctually at half-past five. Wherefore, the policeman, to whom the fourpence is but a perquisite, and who is content with a smaller round, is rapidly supplanting the night watchman, whose cry of, "Past NINE O'CLOCK, as he collects orders in the evening, is now seldom heard. THE KNOCKING AND THE SHOUTING PASS and there comes the noise of opening and shutting of doors, and a clattering away to the docks, the gasworks, and the shipyards. Later, more door shutting is heard, and then the trotting of sorrow-laden little feet, along the grim street, to the grim board school, three grim streets off. Then silence save for a subdued sound of scrubbing here and there, and the puny squall of croupy infants. After this, a new trotting of little feet to docks, gasworks and shipyards, with father's dinner in a basin and a red handkerchief, and so to the board school again. More muffled scrubbing and more squalling, and perhaps a feeble attempt or two at decorating the blankness of a square hole here and there by pouring water into a grimy flower-pot full of dirt. Then comes the trot of little feet toward the oblong holes, heralding the slower tread of sooty artisans, a smell of bloater up and down, nightfall, the fighting of boys in the street, perhaps of men at the corner near the beer shop, sleep. And this is the record of a day in this street, and every day is hopelessly the same. Every day, that is, but Sunday. On Sunday morning, a smell of cooking floats round the corner from the half shut baker's, and the little feet trot down the street under steaming burdens of beef, potatoes and batter pudding. The lucky little feet these, with Sunday boots on them, when father is in good work and has brought home all his money. Not the poor little feet in worn shoes, carrying little bodies in the threadbare clothes of all the week, when father is out of work, or ill, or drunk and the Sunday cooking may very easily be done at home, if any there be to do. On Sunday morning, one or two heads of families appear in wonderful black suits, with unnumbered creases and wrinklings at the seams. At their sides and about their heels trot the unresting little feet, and from under painful little velvet caps and straw hats Stare solemn little faces, toweled to a polish. Thus disposed and arrayed, They fare gravely through the grim little streets To a grim little Bethel, Where are gathered together others In like garb and attendance, And for two hours they endure the frantic menace of hellfire. Most of the men, however, lie in shirt and trousers on their beds and read the Sunday paper, while some are driven forth, for they hinder the housework, to loaf and await the opening of the beer shop round the corner. Thus goes Sunday in this street, and every Sunday is the same as every other Sunday, so that one monotony is broken with another. For the women, however, Sunday is much as other days, except there is rather more work for them. The break in their round of the week is washing day. No event in the outer world makes any impression in this street. Nations may rise or may totter in ruin, but here the colourless day will work through its 24 hours just as it did yesterday, and just as it will tomorrow. Without, there may be party strife, wars and rumours of wars, public rejoicings, but the trotting of the little feet will be neither quickened nor stayed. Those quaint little women, the girl-children of this street, who use a motherly management toward all girl things younger than themselves and toward all boys as old or older with bless the child or drat the children. Those quaint little women will still go marketing with big baskets and will regard the price of bacon as chief among human considerations. Nothing disturbs this street, nothing but a strike. Nobody laughs here, life is too serious a thing, nobody sings. There was once a woman who sang, a young wife from the country, but she bore children and her voice cracked. Then her man died and she sang no more. They took away her home, and with her children about her skirts, she left this street forever. The other women did not think much of her. She was helpless. One of the square holes in this street, one of the single ground-floor holes, is found on individual examination to differ from the others. There has been an attempt to make it into a shop window. Half a dozen candles, a few sickly sugar sticks, certain shrivelled bloaters, some bootlaces, and a bundle or two of firewood compose a stock, which at night is sometimes lighted by a little paraffin lamp in a tin sconce, and sometimes by a candle. A widow lives here, a gaunt bony widow with sunken red eyes. She has other sources of income than the candles and the bootlaces. She washes and chars all day, and she sews cheap shirts at night. Two young men lodgers, moreover, sleep upstairs, and the children sleep in the back room. She herself is supposed not to sleep at all. The policeman does not knock here in the morning. The widow wakes the lodgers herself, and nobody in the street behind ever looks out of window before going to bed, no matter how late, without seeing a light in the widow's room where she plies her needle. She is a quiet woman who speaks little with her neighbours, having other things to do a woman of pronounced character, to whom it would be unadvisable, even dangerous, to offer coals or blankets. Hers was the strongest contempt for the helpless woman who sang, a contempt whose added bitterness might be traced to its source. For when the singing woman was marketing, from which door of the pawn shop had she twice met the widow coming forth. This is not a dirty street, taken as a whole. The widow's house is one of the cleanest, and the widow's children match the house. The one house cleaner than the widow's is ruled by a despotic Scotchwoman, who drives every hawker off her whitened step, and rubs her door handle if a hand have rested on it the scotchwoman has made several attempts to accommodate young men lodgers but they have ended in shrill rows there is no house without children in this street and the number of them grows ever and ever greater nine tenths of the doctor's visits are on this account alone and his appearances are the chief matter of such conversation as the women make across the fences. One after another the little strangers come to live through lives as flat and colourless as the day's life in this street. Existence dawns, and the doctor watchman's door knock resounds along the row of rectangular holes then a muffled cry announces that a small new being has come to trudge and sweat its way in the appointed groove. Later, the trotting of little feet and the school, the midday play are, when love peeps even into this street. After that, more trotting of little feet, strange little feet, new little feet, and the scrubbing and the squalling, and the barren flower pot, the end of the sooty day's work, the last homecoming, nightfall, sleep. When love's light falls into some corner of the street, it falls at an early hour of this mean life and is itself but a dusty ray. It falls early because it is the sole bright thing which the street sees and is watched for and counted on lads and lasses awkwardly arm in arm go pacing up and down this street before the natural interest in marbles and doll's houses would have left them in a brighter place they are keeping company the manner of which proceeding is indigenous it is a custom native to the place the young people first walk out in pairs. There is no exchange of promises, no troth plight, no engagement, no love talk. They patrol the streets side by side, usually in silence, sometimes with fatuous chatter. There are no dancers, no tennis, no water parties, no picnics to bring them together so they must walk out or be unacquainted. If two of them grow dissatisfied with each other's company, nothing is easier than to separate and walk out with somebody else. When, by these means, each has found a fit mate, or thinks so, a ring is bought, and the odd association becomes a regular engagement but this is not until the walking out has endured for many months. The two stages of courtship are spoken of indiscriminately as keeping company, but a very careful distinction is drawn between them by the parties concerned. Nevertheless, in the walking out period, it would be almost as great a breach of faith for either to walk out with more than one as it would be if the full engagement had been made. And love-making in this street is a dreary thing when one thinks of love-making in other places. It begins and it ends too soon. Nobody from this street goes to the theatre. That would mean a long journey, and it would cost money, which might buy bread and beer and boots. For those, too, who wear black Sunday suits, it would be sinful. Nobody reads poetry or romance. The very words are foreign. A Sunday paper in some few houses provides such reading as this street is disposed to achieve. Now and again, a penny novel has been found among the private treasures of a growing daughter and has been wrathfully confiscated. For the air of this street is unfavourable to the ideal. Yet there are aspirations. There has lately come into the street a young man lodger who belongs to a mutual improvement society. Membership in this society is regarded as a sort of learned degree, and at its meetings debates are held and papers smugly read by lamentably self-satisfied young men lodgers, whose only preparation for debating and writing is a fathomless ignorance. For ignorance is the inevitable portion of dwellers here, seeing nothing reading nothing, and considering nothing. Where in the east end lies this street? Everywhere. The hundred and fifty yards is only a link in a long and mightily tangled chain, is only a turn in a tortuous maze. This street of the square holes is hundreds of miles long. That it is planned in short lengths is true, But there is no other way in the world that can more properly be called a single street, because of its dismal lack of accent, its sordid uniformity, its utter remoteness from delight. End of Introduction A Street